Hey guys, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the sports episode. It's kind of a weird week because I feel like I have a mountain of NHL news, a little hill of NFL news, and then like the flatlands of all the other sports. I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm not quite the same as you, but I do have a little of something and then a lot of other things. I guess that means we should get into it. That is probably a good assumption. So starting with a team I don't like and a thing that I don't like, which is COVID updates, the Philadelphia Flyers have hosted a Take Your Shot, which was an event in conjunction with the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium at Lyacorus Center in Philadelphia. On Thursday, April 22nd, apparently we went back to the 1920s because it's a consortium. Or they just like big words because they don't get to use them too often as Flyers fans. I mean, it's really not that big of a word, but sure. The event was encouraging local residents to get vaccinated. The Flyers handed out exclusive I Took My Shot stickers and t-shirts that featured Gritty. Scariest vaccination t-shirt award goes to. If you want to horrify children, go get your shot. (laughs) The team employees also handed out water and hand sanitizer, while Dunkin' Donuts provided coffee and treats. See, I'm here for the Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Though, I mean, if you get vaccinated, all you have to do is take your record into a Dunkin'. They give you a free donut. Is it Dunkin' that does that, or is it... No, that's Krispy Kreme. That's what I was thinking of. Well, you can get donuts either way, I guess. (laughs) Somewhere. And the Flyers charity arm also ended up giving them, I think it was $10,000 because it was a community-run organization that put the thing together. Oh, gave the charity $10,000? Yes. I was super confused. I'm like, why? They did not give Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) $10,000. I was either concerned, like, are they giving Dunkin' Donuts $10,000? Are they just giving the people that get vaccinated $10,000? I'm like, we're on the next flight, sweetheart. No. (laughs) 20K, here we come. I've flown into Philadelphia before. It was a nightmare. It would be worth $20,000. And that was without having to see Gritty. Yeah. It was before Gritty, thank God. Mm -hmm. But that's about it for COVID news from the league, except for, of course, the fact that you've got teams who don't know how to control themselves. I was going to say, I have at least one piece of COVID news. Good old PK Subban came out and announced that he tested positive this past week, which was one of three players that were put on COVID protocol for the New Jersey Devils. So, fun times. It's so weird that he plays there. I never remember that that's the team he's on anymore. Ever since he left the Canadians, it's kind of been like, where's P.K. Subban now? I feel like he's been everywhere. A little bit of everywhere. Yeah. But, I mean, you also have the Avalanche who are struggling right now with their COVID stuff. The Canucks seem to be fine now that they've gotten out of their COVID stuff. But I think their games have been extended through, like, towards the end of May, like May 18th or something like that. So. I guess the only good news on that front means that the Stanley Cup's not going to start until after your mother has left from her visit with us, so I don't have to worry about missing playoff games to hang out with your mom. I'm just hoping my mom listens to the podcast for this episode in particular, and you're just like, the good news is she'll be gone and I can watch hockey. I don't mean it like that. I just mean, like, I've had to miss Stanley Cup games before because of having to prioritize, you know, friends and family, and now I won't have to worry about that. This is true, yeah. That sounded really bad the way you put it. Yeah, I was going for that in fairness. But then you have player health, which seems to be where the bulk of my news came from for the NHL. Interesting. I only have like two things, so that's exciting. 
The first one is Zach Warinski is out for the rest of the season for the Columbus Blue Jackets because of a sports hernia. He last played on April 8th and he had surgery on April 14th and is now expected to need six to eight weeks to recover. I know last week we kind of mentioned a blurb about that, but not like how long it was going to be. They didn't have an expected recovery time. And given how the Columbus Blue Jackets are doing, I don't think he'll be seen until next season. It's probably for the better at this point because the Blue Jackets are out of the playoff picture as it sits right now. So, And then another Zach, you have Zach Hyman, who will be out at least two weeks for the Toronto Maple Leafs because of a knee injury. He sprained his MCL in the game against the Vancouver Canucks on Sunday, April 18th in a knee-on-knee hit by defenseman Alexander Edler, who we will talk about later because of the knee-on-knee contact. Yeah, he caught some uh, punishment. Knee-on-knee is taken very seriously in the league, and, like, here's why. Yeah. You also have Carey Price, who's going to be out for at least a week due to entering concussion protocols. He didn't play after the first period in the game against the Edmonton Oilers on April 19th. He also did not practice on Tuesday, and he will most likely miss at least four games. It depends on how he does during the concussion protocols. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Kerry Price is another goalie like Crawford whose concussion protocols have gone on for a long time. Well, he's also an older goalie, so I feel like the more times you have to go through concussion protocols, the longer it takes you to come out of them because you're so concussion prone at that point. Yeah. And then we have Connor Garland, who is currently week-to-week for the Arizona Coyotes because of a lower body injury. He was injured during a practice on Tuesday, April 20th. I feel like that's kind of the suckier way to get injured during practice instead of during a game. Yeah, but it it happens, especially when these guys compete at the high level that they do. But yeah, I I couldn't imagine being hurt. I also feel like leading up into the playoff push, it's like they're going to practice harder because they're trying to push. But Yeah, we'll talk about how slim the chances are on that later as well. And both Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi are out for the season for the Detroit Red Wings because of injuries. Larkin has an upper body injury that will be reevaluated in two weeks. Bertuzzi last played on January 30th because of an upper body injury, and he, quote, could need surgery. I'm like, you've been out for how long and you haven't had a surgery? Like, maybe this should have been done already. Well, and the reality is it's like they're not even anywhere near a playoff spot. So it's like, just well, just let him yeah. go get the surgery and recover. And maybe you'll have him next year when you need him. I mean, even if you're just looking at Larkin, like, he's going to play, what, a handful of games at the most coming back? If that. Then you've got Jacob Silferberg, I think is how you say his last name. Jacob Silferberg. I know it's like extra letters there, but yeah. It's like French. You only pronounce half the letters. Well, it probably is. Or like Nordic areas. It's Nordic with the way Jacob is spelled. Yeah. So Jacob Silferberg is out for the season for the Anaheim Ducks after he had surgery on his hip on Thursday, April 22nd. He had a torn labrum and hip impingement that were both repaired, and he is expected to need four to six months to recover. So, like, that could even lead into next season, possibly. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. And the last one I have is yet another Zach. Zach <laughs> Bogosian will be out at least four weeks for the Toronto Maple Leafs with a shoulder injury. He was injured when he lost an edge pursuing the puck and hit the boards in the game against the Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday, April 20th. 
Yeah, his injury is very similar to kind of like Gensel. Gensel's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The difference, obviously, was he wasn't scoring a goal, but roughly the same kind of injury where they just lost an edge and your body is not meant to hit things in certain ways. And ugh. Well, the boards are probably the thing that has the least amount of actual give when your body hits it. Yeah, you'd rather hit the glass because the right. glass at least wiggles a little bit. And then, of course, if you're running into players, those are softer. Yeah. And then if you're running into the actual net, that's softer. If you hit the post or the, uh, or the boards, it's kind of the only things without that much give. I feel like the post would be more able to move because you've seen that happen well, before to, where the yeah. net gets knocked off. Could but you the imagine boards, if, not so much. Could you imagine if the nets didn't move? Oh my God, the amount of injuries that would happen. Like, right. And then in other news, you have what I was referencing before. The Vancouver Canucks defenseman Alexander Edler has been suspended for two games without pay for kneeing Toronto Maple Leafs forward Zach Hyman during the game in Vancouver on Sunday, April 18th. Edler will forfeit, I don't know if this is correct, the amount seems far too large, but it says $103,000. I think the fine is based off the injury, so... That's probably it. As well, Edler, it's not a first-time, you know, issue. Offense, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, the amount is actually $103,448.28, and the money is going to the Players' Emergency Assistance Fund. I guess when you're not just factoring in pay and you're also factoring in, like, this isn't his first offense and the brutality of the thing, it makes sense. It's just a lot of money. I would love and hate to be the guy that comes up with the numbers for these things, for the fines. They have formulas, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, there's got to be. Like, what offense is it? Five? Put in a five. And, like, <laughs> Punches what, out a number. what level would you say that the injury was? A five? Okay, also a five. And yeah. then it outputs a number. Yeah. But he's not the only one who got fined this past week. You had Toronto Maple Leafs forward Joe Thornton who has been fined $3,017.24 for interference against Winnipeg Jets forward Matthew Perot during the game in Winnipeg on Thursday, April 22nd. That's a lot less money. I didn't see this one, but at the same time, Thornton's a big dude. Like, I could imagine being interfered by him hitting you. Like, oh, God. Interference is a weird one to get a fine over. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm sure it's happened. His name is literally Jumbo Joe for crying out loud. So it's like, literally, that's his name. Yep, it says Jumbo Joe Thornton on his (laughs) driver's license. On his birth certificate. On his on his birth. Well, maybe they didn't know on his birth certificate because he was a child. But like, I would legally change my name to that if I was. That was my nickname. I bet he was a ten pound bowling ball coming out, and they knew. (laughs) They put it on his birth certificate. Right. But then I've got some signings. I've got Ilya Libushkin. I didn't write this one down, so your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) He signed a one-year contract with the Arizona Coyotes on Monday, and the financial terms were not disclosed, which is actually kind of weird for hockey. Other sports, I feel like you see that more. You probably could have just gone on cap friendly and figured out what it was, but... Maybe. Yeah. And then I also have Ryan Hartman, who signed a three-year, $5.1 million contract with the Minnesota Wild on Thursday, April 22nd. The deal has an AAV of $1.7 million. We talked about this because Ryan Hartman's an ex-Blackhawk, and it always drives me crazy when they want all this money when they're playing okay. Like, Hartman was never, like, outstanding player of the year for the organization. Right. But he, he asked for so much money, and we're like, nah. And then he goes and plays for a team two years later, and they're just like, here's $1.7 million. Dollars. And he's like, okay, I'll take it. And I'm like, ugh. 
Well, I feel like that's just time in the market at that point and continuing on the same level he was at before. It's got to be. It's the only thing that makes sense. So he realized he's not going to get better. Yeah. A better amount or better in his play, maybe. And then we had Patrick Marlowe officially passing Gordie Howe for the most NHL games played when the San Jose Sharks reached number 1,768 in the game against the Vegas Golden Knights on Monday, April 19th. Howe held the NHL record for regular season games played since November 26th, 1961, yeah. which is when he surpassed Ted Lindsay. Yeah, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, Marlowe has had a phenomenal career, and when it comes to his Or at like, least a long one. Well, he, no matter what, yeah, but... To say that you're on an NHL team for 20-plus seasons... like That's a lot. You have to bring it. It's not like you just are given roster spots in the NHL. And I think that's what's different between, like, second and third string guys in the NFL. Like, oh, I've got a roster spot. And I'm like, no, listen, if you make an NHL team, you earned it. Like, right. you didn't just... It wasn't just handed to you. You know, like, I have natural talents and maybe I'm burning out. Here's a third, like, string position in the right. NFL. You know, that makes as much money as a hockey player. It's just well, crazy. For the NHL, you only have 20 spots. Right. And so, like, if you're not doing well, you slip further and further down the lines, and then eventually you drop off. Correct. Like, there's no room to keep someone who's not doing a good job. Right. Enjoy the taxi squad. But, yeah, it it's an impressive feat. On top of that, he, I believe, is one of the top five active players right now when it comes to, like, amount of games played in a row. The streak, yeah. Yeah, when it comes to the streaks without missing a game due to sickness or injury, which is insane. Yeah. So. I think he's probably got to be coming up on one of his final seasons soon. The reality is he's still performing better than third and fourth line guys, so it's like, why not just keep him around for a couple more years? Yes, ability-wise. But, I mean, your body has to get so wrecked playing that much hockey for that long, eventually it's going to give out. Yeah. Do you think he's going to be a Yarmor Yager where he's like well into his 40s when he retires or? Isn't he already in his 40s? He's like 38 or 39 years old. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. I mean, that's only two years from now. So yes, it's possible. Also this week, the Blackhawks uh, re-signed Riley Stillman to a three-year $4.5 million contract. So kudos to him. That literally just happened about an hour ago. Right, right. Like breaking news. And then the last piece of NHL news that I personally have is that Robert Luongo was named GM of the Canada men's ice hockey team that will compete in the 2021 IIHF World Championship. Did you drop a letter from his name? Roberto Luongo? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, Robert Luongo. I'm like, man, I've never heard of that guy. Maybe he's like the twin brother of <laughs> Roberto Luongo. Robert and Roberto Luongo. <laughs> Evil twin. You were just staring at me while I was reading I was this. I was so like, confused. what is happening? <laughs> anyway, Roberto Luongo will oversee and lead all hockey operations, including staff and player selection and evaluation. Assisting him will be Shane Doan and Scott Salmon. Yeah, Shane Doan's a pretty good player. He played for Phoenix for a number of years. So We're just not going to talk about that guy's last name being Salmon. Yeah, I don't know who that guy is. I'm sorry. It literally is spelled like salmon, but with a D at the end. Yeah. The tournament is scheduled to be played May 21st to June 6th in Riga, Latvia. This will be his international management debut. It's pretty cool. Like, 
he's been a dominant goalie in the NHL and honestly probably did a lot of goalie coaching as it was, like, to the guys that were underneath him, so... But being a GM and a goalie coach are very different. Oh, yeah, night and day. But we'll see what happens. If it, It's for Team Canada, though, right? So, like, how... how Technically, you, we can't root for them. How, well, no, how could you screw it up, you know? Oh, right. Like... Yeah. Canada sport. Yeah. Like, if you mess that one up, you probably don't deserve to be a GM. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> there was a pretty big feat this week, and it's about an ex-Bruins, now Capitals player... Okay. Uh, Zdeno Chara actually crossed his 1600 game threshold uh, against the Islanders on Saturday. He became the fifth defenseman in the history of the NHL to reach that mark. Because when you're a defenseman, your body gets wrecked. Yeah. Unless you're like the missing link like Zdeno Chara, you usually don't last that long. As well, the NHL will be targeting a October 12th start date for the 21-22 season. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening, but as it sits right now, that's the plan. My problem with this is that I think you're going to have players complain about how short their offseason is. Yeah. Especially if they go into the playoffs but don't win the cup. Yeah, I feel like the only team that's really going to struggle with it is going to be the teams that are in the Stanley Cup playoff, like the finals, the very end of the, the playoffs. But I feel like you're going to have teams that are out in the first or second round being like, well, we didn't have enough time to have a true offseason whenever they come back. Because, like... You made it to the Stanley Cup, but it feels like a waste of time because you got out in the first or second round, didn't make it all the way to the end, so you're going to whine and complain more. I don't know that it's going to be such a problem. I think if it's going to be an issue for anybody, it'll be for the Kraken because they're an expansion team this year. So, like, they're going to have to pick players and have a really short offseason. Like, there's no offseason training camps or anything this year, for them at least. If they complain, they need to be kicked in their little squiddy face. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, if you're a new team, you don't get to whine about an offseason and how short it is. I will agree to disagree with you on That's that one. pretty standard in our house. Yeah. But talking about playoffs, we have three teams out of the West that have already clinched. So three of the That's four spots are already closed up. The West is always one of the hardest divisions. So it's like, that seems insane. It's one of the harder conferences, usually. The The Pacific Division is not usually that complicated. Like, you usually have Vegas and the Avalanche, and then everything else is kind of just whatever. But because of the reorganization of the divisions this year, it's super competitive out there. Right. You have Vegas Golden Knights. They clinched first this week. We like that team because they're the home of our ex-goalies. Yes. You have the Colorado Avalanche clinching the second spot. And then the Wild clinched the third playoff spot. So the one, two, three can still change. They're all really, really but close to each other. They're all going to be in the playoffs. But no matter what, they're all in the playoffs at this point. The fourth spot is where it's they're all within pretty much one or two points of each other for that fourth spot. So it's going to be super competitive for the fourth playoff spot. And I don't know who I would want to get it because I feel like Arizona would just mess it up. I wouldn't mind seeing Phil Kessel back in the playoffs, though. Like, if you had to have a team as well. The Coyotes are pretty much a portion of my ex-team and your ex-team. So, like, again, I would kind of root for them a little bit. Obviously, I wouldn't root for the Kings or the Ducks. And San Jose is still in the conversation, which is kind of crazy as well. They do have a game in hand compared to Arizona, but, I mean, they're down by six points and their goal differential is insane. Yeah. I know I don't want St. Louis in it because they won a cup too recently. Well, on top, I think I'd be fine with Arizona. On top of that, screw the Blues. We'll, well just leave it at that. You have your thing, yes. Yeah. 
But then I don't think anyone else in any of their division has clinched. Nope. Your team moved into first place for about six hours yesterday, and then that changed. It was nice. Yeah. We're only down by a point, and our goal differential is better than theirs, so yeah, not too stressed. I wouldn't be. I mean, this doesn't mean anything, I should clarify. Like, besides the teams that have clinched, none of this means anything, because we still have too many games left, especially if you're in the North. Yeah. Because you've got so many games in hand for the Canucks. Because they've only played 41 games, and the most games played in their division is 48. So, like, they have at most seven games in hand compared to some teams. Yeah, play a lot of catch-up. And that's why their season got extended. (laughs) Go figure. It's a lot. But we also have some COVID news for the NFL. The NFL? The NFL. Interesting. So the NFL Players Association informed players that the NFL does not intend to discipline players for, quote, high-risk COVID conduct during the offseason. The activities such as going to bars and indoor events falls under this category. And last season, they would have been fine for doing those things. Yeah. But in the off season, they're like, nah, it's all right. Do what you want. Yeah. Last season, teams and the league fined players for a variety of off-field conduct that violated COVID protocols. But teams still have the right to discipline players for violating protocols inside of their facilities. Such as a refusal to wear a mask. Makes sense. But do whatever you want on your own time, apparently. Well, and there's a reason behind that. So the NFL and the NFL Players Association agreed to modified protocols for fully vaccinated players. Uh, This week, fully vaccinated players will only have to test weekly versus daily this upcoming season and through the OTAs and camps and whatever that they end up participating in. As well, if players travel away from the team, they would not be required to quarantine when coming back if they're fully vaccinated. But the NFL also announced this week that they are partnering with CVS to make sure all the players are going to be vaccinated before the season begins. So are they opting into vaccinations or are they being They're forced. Like, mandated? It's, they have it's to being go. mandated that they have to get vaccinated. Okay. Yeah. We also had the NFL owners pass a rule this week expanding eligible jersey numbers for certain positions. The proposal submitted by the Kansas City Chiefs adjusted the restrictions on who can wear which jersey numbers. Yeah, I listed it all out, so you know me and my lists. Just love to have those. But there is a catch to it. If you do change your number in the 21 season, you have to buy the remaining inventory of your jerseys with the wrong numbers on it oh. back from the NFL. And That's so expensive. There was a player in Minnesota that was contemplating doing it and then got the quote from the NFL as to how many jerseys it was. It was over $1.5 million worth of product. No. Like, as an O-lineman or a D-lineman, I could see it because not that many people are going to buy your jersey, so there's probably not that much inventory on hand. Like, they probably are one-offing them as the orders come through. But, like, this particular player was their star running back, so, like, there's a lot of his jerseys lying around. Yeah. Could he tell them to stop making them that way, and then when they run out of stock or get low, he could buy it out, or...? I don't believe so. It's once the decision's made, you're you're paying for them, basically. But if you decide to change your number in the 2022 season, it's free. They're not going to charge you for it. So oh, okay. It's just like, wait a year, I guess, yeah. if you don't really want to pay the fine. Or if you desperately want to change your number, change it, I guess. 
But quarterbacks and punters really didn't change their number options. It's 1 through 19, kind of roughly the same. So you didn't see any changes there. I think the biggest changes are going to be at the offensive positions. So running back, wide receiver, or tight ends can wear 1 through 49 or 80 through 89. So that changes a little bit. Tight ends used to only be 80 through 89. And wide receivers and running backs had like their own little sections amongst the numbers at the front end of this larger gaps. Um, defensive backs are going to be able to wear 1 through 49, linebackers 1 through 59, and 90 through 99. Offensive linemen will be able to wear 50 through 79, which is pretty much the same. And then defensive linemen 50 through 79 and 90 through 99, which is, again, pretty much similar. So the players that are really getting the advantage to change numbers is really like running backs, wide receivers, that kind of stuff. So This all seems very pointless to me, but I feel like Everyone should just be allowed to wear whatever number they want to wear on their team. So the reason it came to even exist is because the Chiefs basically ran into a problem during the season last year where players that were coming through the taxi squad had numbers attached to them, like assigned to them. But because those numbers are retired for the actual Chiefs organization, they couldn't wear them in the games. So they were just basically running out of numbers and for the individual positions. So it just makes sense to kind of open it up a little bit more giving them more options. I'm just saying, if you're allowed to pick any number you want, you have 1 through 99. Yeah. For everybody. Yeah. And your whole team. I kind of agree with that. Except for the retired numbers, apparently. Obviously, yeah. But we actually had a couple of retirements this year, or this year, this week. I'm sure we had a lot this year. (laughs) Former Broncos and Browns defensive back TJ Ward has announced his retirement. Ward's career includes a Super Bowl 50 championship with Denver. Yeah. And then Alex Smith also announced retirement after a 16-year career in the NFL, which feels like a lot for them. Well, this is the guy that busted his leg up so bad that he could barely walk and was basically told he might not walk ever again after the injury. So he came back, ended up being 5-1 and last season, bringing his team into the playoffs. And they're like, nah, we're good. Mutually, we're going to separate. And so they didn't leave on bad blood, but at the same time, it's like, how do you cut a guy that just did that for you? Right. Like, he wasn't like, supposed to walk again, and he came back and won five of six games to get you into the playoffs. This is the part of the sports movie when he's supposed to get to the championship and win against all odds and yeah. then, like, highlight reels and so on. Well, nobody expected him to actually do that, but, like, at the same time, it would have been really cool. You're right. I mean, but, that's what happens in the movies. You're telling me that's not reality. No, it's not. Um, but speaking on Ward, that you went like right through his stuff really quick. but Because I don't know who he is, nor do I care. He was part of the championship team, obviously, but that defensive core in the secondary was known as the no-fly zone. So if you threw the ball anywhere through there, it was like, no, 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 no. It's not getting to any of your wide receivers. That is what the article said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It means nothing to me. It, mean, right. it means everything to sports fans. So. Yeah. I am a sports fan. Sure. Just not this sport. Yeah. Also this week, the Chiefs traded for Orlando Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Chiefs receive Orlando Brown and a 21 second round pick and a 22 sixth round pick in the draft. The Ravens will receive a 21 first, third, and fourth round pick and a 22 fifth round pick. So the Ravens are just like stacking up draft picks. Apparently. Yeah. 
I just I don't like players for picks even when you're trading like a thousand picks. Well, the reason they traded Orlando Brown is because he wanted to play at left tackle, which is the position he played in college, but they kept playing him in right tackle because they already had one of the best left tackles in the NFL. So I'm like, why did you even draft the guy if you were just going to be like, hey, you're not going to play where you normally play? And so he was basically asking for a trade all last season. Um, But due to an injury, he was able to step into the left tackle role last season for the Ravens for a little while. And the Chiefs desperately needed somebody at left tackle. So it kind of worked out for everybody, I feel like. Looks like. You had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers re-signing veteran backup quarterback Ryan Griffin this past week. I don't know that he'll be used, but he's there. You have Tom Brady as your starting quarterback, so probably not. I mean, you get paid not to work, I suppose. Yeah. Or at least not work on Sundays. The the thing is a lot of the backup quarterbacks do a lot of sideline coaching and stuff like that. So I don't know that he's not working at all. He's just not. He's just not quarterbacking. Correct. He's not going to yeah. be on the field quarterbacking. That's correct. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have signed head coach Mike Tomlin to a three-year contract extension that will keep him with the team through the 2024 season. He's been a pretty dominant head coach. I don't know if he's you looked at his record. He's been there for a long time. Well, this start of this season will be 15 seasons. So, yeah, yeah he's probably one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL right now. Yeah. So, he's had a couple weird seasons. But for the most part, he's getting the team to the playoffs almost every single year. Right. So, I don't blame him. Sign the guy for another three years. The Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback Justin Line had some problems, though. Still speaking about Pittsburgh Steelers, I guess. He was arrested on Friday, April 23rd in Ohio after police said they found a loaded gun in his car during an early morning traffic stop. And by early morning, they mean like 1.20 in the morning. So he was coming home from wherever he was. Right, probably. He was arrested on a fourth degree felony charge for improper handling of a firearm in a motor vehicle. Police said they stopped him when he was going 89 miles per hour in a 60 mile per hour zone, which, dude, no. A records check showed that he was driving with a suspended license and he had an outstanding warrant for failure to appear on a traffic violation in another jurisdiction. Well done. Yeah, just multiple things. It's not just that it was a gun in his car that he didn't have a permit for, like he doesn't have a concealed carry or anything like that. He had it in a glove compartment loaded. And the reason that they even checked his car is because there was, like, detritus of weed and things like that around the car visible through the window. Yeah. So, like, just all sorts of stuff that's, like, dude, You could have avoided all of these problems. Don't drive that fast. Clean out your car. Don't have a loaded gun in your car when you don't have a concealed carry permit. Yeah. And then none of this would have happened. You could have avoided all these problems. Realistically, if he wouldn't have been speeding, you probably could have avoided all those problems. Well, yeah. <laughs> if he had gone home before midnight, he might have avoided all of this. Like, that's the multiverse, yeah. string theory, all that fun stuff. But when it comes to the MLB, I literally have two injuries, and that's all I've got. Because okay. I couldn't find anything except for, like, look at this play, look at this play, look at this play, which is not news, by the way. That's a highlight. Get it out of your news section. I'm so sick of you, MLB.com. You should just stop using MLB.com. I also checked ESPN. I checked just baseball news on Google. Like, literally, when I tell you I am trying my best, (laughs) I am doing everything in my power to find actual MLB news, except for watching SportsCenter. That's all I haven't done. Okay. 
So for player health, we have Mike Trout of the LA Angels, who was scratched from Friday's game against the Houston Astros due to a left elbow contusion. He is considered day-to-day. He was injured when he was hit by a 93.1 mile per hour fastball thrown by Houston's Christian Javier in Thursday's game. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback Justin Line driving into your elbow. <laughs> God. Uh, mm, mm. He was expected to play in yesterday's game, didn't end up playing. He sat on the bench, so like he was there, Yeah. but he wasn't utilized. They're hoping that he plays today, being Sunday. We'll, we'll see. find out. Yeah. yeah. Also, back in the news, our favorite pitcher from the Washington Nationals, Steven Strasburg, was placed on the 10-day IL with a right shoulder inflammation problem. We kind of discussed the video that came out that shouldn't have last week where they were filming him rubbing his right Right, shoulder down in beyond the dugout, like going back towards the hallway. hallway. So go figure, something came out about it this week. Yeah. You also had Texas Rangers first baseman Ronald Guzman who is set to have surgery after sustaining a meniscus tear in his right knee on April 12th. He was initially placed on the 10-day IL before getting reevaluated, and there is currently no timeline for his return. Rangers GM Chris Young said he isn't sure how the injury will affect Guzman's future with the team, which just sounds a bit ominous. Yeah. I feel like that's like a not very veiled, veiled threat. Right. Not like he can help having that injury. Well, it depends. How did he end up getting it? Playing baseball. Well, might not have been while playing baseball. That's the point, though. Washington Nationals also placed Juan Soto on the 10-day IL for a strained left shoulder. So the Nationals are just all sorts of shoulder problems, it seems, currently going on. I guess that's better than COVID problems, so, you know. It is. And then also Starling Marte, uh, the center fielder for the Miami Marlins, will be out five to seven days before being reevaluated for a broken left rib. It was a non-displaced fracture, so it wasn't like knocked out of its proper alignment. It's just like a hairline fracture in the rib itself, so they're expecting him to be able to recover pretty quickly. With all the breathing he has to do, I don't know if that's true, but one would hope. Right. But speaking of the Marlins... Were we? Just now, Sterling Marte, yeah. Okay. Good to have you here with us. (laughs) I don't know who anyone belongs to. I literally said, for the Marlins... Like I listen. Clearly, not at all. The Miami Marlins had to shut down their minor league camp due to five players testing positive for COVID-19 this past week. Yikes. And then your favorite city in Philadelphia, the Phillies, added three players and two more coaches to COVID-19 protocols this past week. You love to see it. This brings the team to a total of five coaches being out due to positive tests currently. Coaches need to stop making out in the locker room. In the locker room or like the coaches' offices? Well, that was a reference to when I kept saying players were making out in the locker room. I I knew where I was coming from. Thank you. Uh, Also this week, the Oakland Athletics extended their winning streak to 13 straight games with their win on Saturday against the Baltimore Orioles, which they won 7-2. They will play Baltimore again for number 14 today, so hopefully they win a 14th game. It would be really cool. The question is, do we want them to continue their streak? I really don't mind. Like, there's really nobody in the West that I'm that over-the-top fan of, so... So it's not going to affect your team. No. But this is the longest win streak in the MLB since 2017 with 13 games, so kudos to them. Setting kind of a record. Right. 
In the opposite news, the Yankees have lost six of their last seven games. This is their worst start to a season since 1991. This was earlier in the week when I wrote these notes for okay. this. So they've since won three in a row. So they were 6-11 and 11 as a record, and now they are 9-11 and 11 currently. So, But in better news in the world of baseball... Uh, White Sox rookie Yerman Mercedes gets a burger named after him this week by a local burger place in Chicago. Are we sure it wasn't named after the car company? It it has nothing to do with Mercedes. It has everything to do with his first name. So the burger is named the Yerminator, like the Terminator, but with his first name. How dumb. What's on it? I don't know what's on it. I didn't go that far into it, but it can be found at the fabulous Freddy's Italian Eatery in Chicago. Of course, that's where you would find that. Yeah. And then also this week, kind of a cool story. Tampa Bay Rays called up Lewis Head. He is a 31-year-old reliever. Last year, after being cut by the Seattle Mariners, he began selling solar panels door-to-door because he believed his career was pretty much over. During spring training, basically, he came as a walk-on tryout to the team for the Tampa Bay Rays. It was because he was living in Arizona selling solar panels door-to-door. Kudos to him for getting a call-up and no longer being a door-to-door salesman because that sucks. But I know this is your favorite sport, the NBA, to continue to. Is it? Because I only have, again, two pieces of news. What are you covering in your NBA news this week? An injury and then other. Okay. Let's start with the injuries because that's, I know, an easy one for you to start on. So Pacers center Miles Turner is out indefinitely with a toe injury. An MRI on Monday confirmed that he is a partial tear of his plantar plate on a toe in his right foot. He has been sidelined since April 7th with the injury and will be out indefinitely. So basically the part of your foot that's like underneath your toe on the underside. Interesting. It's got a tear. That's kind of crappy. That's a weird place to get a tear, but... I would imagine it would be. Sports are weird. Yeah. I had two other injuries that were unknown amounts of time, which is kind of weird. But two of them, both back-to-back articles that I read. So Everyone in the NBA is out indefinitely. The Nuggets' Will Barton will be out for an unknown amount of time with a strained hamstring. Okay. And then also Chris Boucher of the Toronto Raptors will be out for a unknown amount of time with a sprained MCL. Those are the injuries I, I feel have. like one of those is definitely worse than the other one. I definitely feel like the one in the MCL would probably be more irritating than the hamstring, but I don't know. I mean, it's more to do with, like, how your knee works. I yeah. feel like that would be worse. Yeah. But we also have the San Antonio Spurs, who have been fined $25,000 for violating the league's player resting policy by resting three players in the same road game, which is apparently a no-no that I didn't know about. It's basically to just keep, like, viewership up. Like, that's really the reason. You can't rest all the best players and then get no one watching your game? Basically. That's the idea behind it anyways. Sounds real dumb. Yeah. Like, I get it. I kind of understand it. Especially during a shortened season where viewership is already down. Is it? Like, we're supposed to be dealing with COVID. We should only be At home watching sports, right? What is happening? There was a signing this week. Uh, Pacers signed O'Shea Brissett to a three-year deal for an unknown amount of money. It seems like it's just a week of unknowns in the NBA. Also, Damian Lillard passed great Jason Kidd on the all-time three-point list, which moves him into 10th place all-time. The next closest person is like 200 three-pointers ahead of him. So it's going to be a little while before he moves up to 600 points. Let's get it. Come on. Yeah, exactly. 
Chris Paul also passed this week Magic Johnson for career assists last Monday against the Bucks. He moves into fifth place overall and assist difference over a thousand for the next spot to go up to fourth. So I think he, you know, as old as he is, just accept the fifth. You know, it's not too bad. Or just get Top to five. pass him. Yeah. Setting up points. The Dallas Mavericks this week fired director of player personnel Tony Ronzone after details surfaced about sexual assault allegations from an incident from last summer. So basically the head of the organization is a woman and the team had their own personal investigation into it and was like, yeah, we're not even going to wait for the NBA to figure their thing out. You're done. Yeah. So kudos to the Mavericks for handling the business. As they should. Also this week, the NBA announced that August 2nd will be when free agency will begin for the NBA. I don't know how this differs from the usual seasons. When does that usually happen? (laughs) You're asking the wrong person. I don't know. I'm not that big of an NBA fan. If you're a friend of mine, you know that I follow most sports very closely. The NBA probably the least. Yeah. Well, when the Bulls have been playing the way they have been playing for years, I'm not surprised. We're literally two games out of a playoff play-in chance, so... But you did have Michael Jordan at one point. Well, yeah. You see how that would be a drop-off? Yes. Okay. In comparison. But did you have some of your favorite MLS news? I mean, I don't think the MLS is anyone's favorite sport, but I do have some news. That's exciting. At least it's a thing. So, the Minnesota United FC announced that they have signed French forward... Adrian Huneau on Friday, April 23rd. He joins the MLS club as a designated player, but, you know, be careful because of what we talked about last week. He's coming from League One side Stad Ren. He signed a three-year contract that also includes a one-year club option. Interesting. Yeah. So it sounds like he's ready to retire, apparently. You know, <laughs> coming to the MLS. Uh, how old is he? Did you at least look that up before you said what you just said? <laughs> I mean, you know, with people who make a lot of money, they don't have to be old to retire. Oh, that's true, I guess. Of all places you go, though, Minnesota. I mean, I guess. He's 27 years old. I guess the good news is, because you're playing in the MLS, you're probably playing mostly through the summertime anyways. They don't really play during the winter, so it's not as bad to be in Minnesota. He's probably not old enough to retire, but where do you go after you leave the MLS is my question. To another MLS team. But when you leave the league as a whole, where do you go? To the your retirement home and retire. Home. Yeah. I do actually have a piece of MLS news, and we talked about it a little bit this morning. Austin FC got their first oh, yeah, win yeah. in their inaugural season by scoring three goals in 11 minutes. And then they didn't score for the rest of the game. It didn't matter. They won 3-1. <laughs> to one. So kudos to them getting their first win in the MLS. Yeah. But this week was an exciting week in the world of soccer. Uh, Not quite as exciting as you wanted it to be for the Bundesliga. No, we just fell shy. Freaking Stugart couldn't get it done for us, and we couldn't get it done for ourselves on Saturday. So, uh, But that's not what I was going to talk about. Oh, okay. I was going to talk about the amazing four-year process of creating the backdrop for the European Super League and watching it all crash and burn in 48 hours. Right. Well, I mean... I feel like they had to have known there were going to be consequences for trying to create a Super League. Like, did they think they could just do this and there's not going to be any problems? Yeah. So basically the owners of these organizations were clearly in it for the money. They were going to be able to negotiate their own contracts, leave their normal leagues. So Premier League and League One and the surrounding 
other leagues, right? La Liga, so on and so forth. So the best part about it is the Bundesliga teams were like, nah, bro, we're, we're not good. having any part of this nonsense. Yeah. We don't want to get fined by FIFA or UEFA. We're, we're good. You guys figure your stuff out, which is the biggest irony because, like, the league itself would not properly exist without teams from the Bundesliga as well because there were 14 teams that signed under this immediately and a whopping six other teams still would have had to sign to make it work. Where are you going to get them? Yeah, like, the MLS. It's a European Super League, <laughs> so definitely not the MLS. Well, I feel like just saying Super League would mean that they're not eligible, but... Yeah, the European part kind of cuts them off out That's of that well, one. Yeah. It wasn't like the European Super League and ex-European territories, because that would be the whole world at that point, realistically, to an extent. I think there's less than 10 countries that haven't been invaded by Britain, so I think you couldn't go there. Yeah, but... It kind of blew up in everybody's face. The good news is the Super League is dead. The chairman says that they're just in a holding pattern. It's like, you're done, dude. Like, you've already lost half the teams that you had. So seven of the 14 teams are like, nah, fam, we're good. We don't want any part of this. So it's just like, okay, it's over, dude. Just accept your defeat. It's done. The craziest story to come out of it, though, is that the chairman of Manchester United had no clue Manchester United was signing into this Super League. So, like, everybody on the board of owners was like, we're part of this. And he was like, what? Huh? We're doing what now? Uh, did I miss an email or a memo? Like, yeah. and he quit. He was like, you know what? If you're not going to involve me in these conversations, I'll go find somewhere else. I mean, think about how big of a move this would have been and, like, how that would have changed his job. Oh, yeah. And then just not including him. Yeah. It would almost be like if my GM came to me and was like, hey, by the way, you're running the whole store now. And I would have been like, uh, was this discussed by corporate? <laughs> so, How yeah. How did this happen? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a mess. It was a mess. It's over for the most part. I don't know how, if they're going to try to recover these seven teams to make 20. Because who the heck is going to sign with this organization at this point? It's just doomed. Well, um, and you had a lot of backlash from fans, especially on the internet, and so I don't feel like it was going to get the support it needed anyway, just like dealing with all your fans who were like, what is happening? Why are you being greedy? Why are you not in my favorite league, my favorite whatever? There were legit riots outside of multiple teams across Europe, stadiums. Legitimately, in Manchester United, they literally rushed the security at the main stadium and got access to the field in their riot. So it's just like, oh, it's not a good look. No, it's not. Yeah. The best part about it, I'll be honest, was watching Twitter for all the apologies from all the owners going like, our bad guys, we love you. Remember, don't hate us. My thing is like, did they think that the fans weren't going to have a problem with this? Like, what did you think your fan base was going to do? Soccer fans in Europe are far more dedicated than fans in the U.S., so I don't understand how you'd be like, oh, no, this is totally fine. They legitimately will beat people to the point of being hospitalized from opposing fan teams, so it's like, what made you think this was going to be acceptable? You're right. It's nuts. You've had people bring in flares before. You've had a ton of crap happen at games, and you're like, oh, no, everyone would just be very passive about all of this. 
Well, yeah, and then you have, like, when teams are in tough times, like, I remember watching Newcastle fans literally boo Mike Ashley whenever he makes appearances into the stadium. So, like... Was that this past week, then? No. No, actually, we're doing quite well right now, so... Well, I mean, compared to earlier in the season, yes, but... But, like, you know, you get people shouting, like, sell the team, Mike Ashley, screw you, we hate you, like, type stuff. And it's not just, like, a small section. It's the whole stadium. So, like, the fans are savage in the UK alone, not counting the other teams from other countries. Yeah. So, yeah. On better and brighter news in the world of soccer, the Premier League this week announced the two of the three teams that will be coming up into the next season from the English Championship. Both Watford and Norwich City, after being relegated last season, earned their right to come back into the Premier League. You would hope for that. So, uh, so there's still one spot left in contention, and four teams, three of them tied currently for the spot, and a fourth t- team that is one point back with two games left. So, Are they not going to be playing off for that spot? Or? So two, the, the top two teams, so third and fourth place, will play for that last spot in a playoff spot. Oh, okay. But the first two have already clinched. They're through. Like yeah. They're clear of everybody too far to any have anyone catch them. So. so you have four teams vying for two spots so they can fight to get the one spot to come up. Yeah. It's it's a, it's craziness right now in the English Championship. Like if you're a fan of those four teams, literally if you're not sitting at the edge of your seat biting your fingernails, I don't know what's wrong with you right now. Like right. just the nerves should be on all ends. But when it comes to standings, it's still the Manchester game. Man City is in first place with 77 points. Manchester United because they drew in their last game are at 67 points. So they're now 10 points back. It's pretty much Manchester City's to blow. Like they would have to lose the remaining games for you guys and to have a chance to pass. And feel free to do them. that. Yeah. Leicester City is in third place with 59 points. Chelsea in fourth place with 58 points. And then West Ham currently, thanks to my team, drawing with Liverpool yesterday in stoppage time. Uh, Liverpool is now in sixth place, and West Ham has hopped over them into fifth. Nice. So you're welcome, West Ham. Not saying we did anything great this year, but we did something. I mean, I feel like most people want Liverpool to do poorly. Well, especially after they won the championship last season in the asterisk year that was the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. But that puts Newcastle in 16th place. We fell one spot only because Burnley won their last game and they hopped over both us and Southampton. So how far are you out of the relegation? Nine points. So... You could still get relegated then. We're down to, I think, four or five games now, so it's not so bad. I mean, it's still possible. Yeah. It would have to be dang near a miracle, so that makes me feel a little better about it. But in the world of Bundesliga, some interesting things going on at the bottom and the top of the table, as we discussed earlier. If Bayern Munich had won yesterday or drawn, they would have won the championship. Couldn't get either of those done. We lost the game, but... As well, it came down to today, if Red Bull Leipzig drew or lost, we'd be through. But of course, Red Bull Leipzig won 2-0, to zero, so I had hopes that Stuttgart could pull it off. They oh no, you have to wait a week. Yeah, they weren't great hopes, um, but they were hopes nonetheless. The 10th place team beating the number two team. Odds were it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Especially considering Stuttgart had been on a three-game losing streak at that point, but... You know, when you take a red card in the 14th minute against the number two team, you're probably not going to win that game. Have to wait till next week for that one. But on the bottom of the table news, fun stuff going on in FC Schalke. Their bus was assaulted by eggs, and their players, when they came off the bus on Wednesday, were pegged with 
objects like water bottles and eggs That's as they were coming off. That's just a good look. The bus itself after losing to Armenia Byfield, who is a good team. Like, they, they fought to get into the League One, and they were not going to let themselves ever slip out of the Bundesliga spot. So, you know, don't don't hate. They just, it is what it is. You guys only won two games this season. It's tough, but, like, why attack your players? You know, it's... It's, it's, it's Europe. It's, it's what they do. Right. But Schalke, in response, has requested for police protection at their training facilities for the remainder of the season, as well as police escorts to the remaining of their games out of fear for what their fans are going to do to the team. I just, um, as a fan of sports, like, that's a bad look. You should be better than that. The last time they were relegated, though, was in 1988. So Before we were born. Yes. Yeah. So they earned their spot back in 89. So it's been 30 years, roughly, 30, 31 years, where they have not been in a tier lower than the Bundesliga 1. So, like, I understand why their fans are upset. What's even more irritating is they finished in the top 10 last season. So it's like everything fell apart. I can understand being upset by this. I can't understand going, oh, I need to go attack a team I support. Yeah. That doesn't click in my brain. Like, I understand, like, the idea of egging the bus, but, like, when you start pelting your you players... You understand the idea of egging the bus? Yeah, really? like, out of frustration. Like, it's acceptable. It's an acceptable thing if you have to do it. It's not like, you know... <laughs> Who has listen, to egg a bus? Frustrated fans. But when you start assaulting the players and the staff, I feel like at that point, like, it's bad. Like, legitimately, players' cars in the city have been destroyed. The the fans are just out of control in Schalke right now. It's insane. Look, what's most likely going to happen is you're going to get relegated. But then you're going to kick butt in the lower level, come back. Yeah. And that'll have been your stint, most likely. For their sake, hopefully, because it sounds like their fans are pretty much ready to start burning stuff down. So, God. <laughs> um, but to continue the standings in the Bundesliga, you have Bayern Munich in first with 71 points. As of this morning, with the updated points, Red Bull Leipzig with 64 points. You have Wolfsburg in third place with 57 points. Frankfurt in fourth with 56 points. Dortmund in fifth with 55 points. So there's a chance you guys could still get into the top three with just a couple, you know, wins. So. Yep. Definitely can put it together. You've won four of your last five, so that's not a bad chance, I don't yeah. think. But uh, poor Schalke, two two wins. Gonna end, end their season, probably with three if they're lucky. So we'll see you next time, I guess, on that one. But that pretty much wraps up the world of soccer. It was entertaining this week. We actually had some soccer news go on, so it wasn't just me being boring and talking yeah, about standings. entertaining, sure. To say the least. Oy. But uh, people are the worst. We'll catch you next Thursday for the book episode. Or this Thursday. Well, it's technically the next Thursday. English is hard. Yeah. But thank you guys for listening. Make sure you keep up with us on all the social media, which should be linked in the show notes. And we'll see you guys Thursday. Bye, guys. Bye.